Welcome to the Concerto. This is Lecture 1. It is entitled, The Voice in the Wilderness. There's no doubt about it. The Concerto has all the dramatic oomph, all the blood, sweat, tears, and triumph of the opera house. It's got the individual solo voice, or in the case of double concerti, triple concerti, or concerti grossi, multiple solo voices, ringing forth against the mass of the orchestra. A metaphor, my friends, for the empowered individual reveling in his or her individuality. The various relationships between soloist and orchestra embodied collectively in the concerto repertoire demonstrate pretty much every human relationship we can imagine from the gentlest and tenderest to the most violent and confrontational and everything in between. From the point of view of performance, a concerto represents musical life lived at the edge, as the solo instruments and the musicians who play them are often pushed to the very limit of what is possible, as composers seek constantly to explore the extremes of human experience through instrumental virtuosity. Because of the singularity of the soloist's voice, the range and immediacy of expression inherent in the concerto exceeds that of every other type of music excepting opera, which, as we will discuss, gave birth to the concerto during the late 17th century. Where the symphony, another genre birthed by opera, evolved towards abstraction and high seriousness, the concerto has never lost its essentially theatrical roots. In a concerto, the soloist's voice becomes our voice. The soloist's battles and victories become our battles and victories. For all its symphonic bulk, a concerto is a much more intimate, a much more personalized sort of musical experience than a symphony. And talk about a huge repertoire. The concerto was invented long before the symphony. As a result, Bach. Handel, Vivaldi, Corelli, and Telemann wrote scads of concerti, but among them, not a single symphony. Of the first-ranked composers who wrote both concerti and symphonies, Mozart's great concerti far outnumber his great symphonies. Beethoven's concerti nearly outnumber his symphonies, counting the piano fantasy, Opus 80, eight concerti by Beethoven against nine symphonies. Brahms composed four concerti and four symphonies. We could go on, but you get the point. During the 18th and 19th centuries, at least as many concerti were composed as symphonies. And during the 20th century, well, forget about it. In terms of sheer number, the concerto was, by far, the single most important genre of orchestral music. So we've lots of repertoire to deal with and choose from perhaps even too much. For this, I trust, we will be forgiven our omissions. As always, the essential goal of this sort of survey is not to cover exhaustively the entire repertoire, for that, my friends, the good Lord created textbooks, but rather to create a historical and musical context for the concerto. Relationships. Yes, relationships. The genre of concerto, like our own lives, is based on relationships. The relationship between the soloist or soloists and the orchestra becomes a metaphor for the relationship between the individual and society, the one and the many, the singular and the collective. At its heart, the concerto is a theatrical construct. You see, the concerto is as much about the relationships between the performers themselves 
the actual people on stage as it is about the music they play. This is a key concept, and it's a concept that will drive much of this course. So let's make sure we've got it.